We are in Psalm 127, and we are looking at verse 1 to verse 2. And the outline there says, when we rely on ourselves, when we rely on ourselves. Now, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson uh, are going camping. And they pitch their tent under the stars and then go off to sleep. In the middle of the night, Sherlock Holmes wakes up Dr. Watson. Watson, look up at the stars and tell me, what do you see? Watson, sort of rising from sleep, blinks, blinks his eyes and, and says, well, astronomically, I see there are millions of galaxies and billions of planets. Astrologically, I see that Satan is in Leo. Meteorologically, I can see that we'll have a beautiful day tomorrow ahead of us. What about you, Holmes? What do you see? So Sherlock Holmes says to him slowly, Watson, I see that someone has stolen our tent while we have been fast asleep. I thought it's funny, I thought Brother Rob would like that. I have to think carefully about my jokes just in case they don't land well with Brother Rob, but uh, it seems to land well. It's a funny story, isn't it? And it makes an incredibly important point. And the point it is making is that it is important to have the right perspective in life. The way things look, the way we look at things matter, doesn't it? How we see things in life, of course, doesn't change the facts. The facts are the facts. But it does change how we feel about those things and the attitude we bring to those things that we are looking at. And the Bible says the right perspective for us to have in life is to see things as God sees them. And God reveals how he sees things in life in the Bible. How he sees the world how we are to see the world, God reveals all of that in the Bible. We believe that the Bible is the living word of God. It reveals the mind of God to us. It gives us the right perspective on life. And today we are in Psalm 127, uh, this part of the word of God. And this psalm and the next psalm are, are actually wisdom psalms. And this particular psalm we are looking at, is some, it was written by King Solomon, who also wrote Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Songs of Solomon. And since Solomon here has written this psalm to give us practical wisdom on how we should live before God, we might say it was written to give us the right perspective on life, to ensure that we are having the right perspective on life. And this psalm in front of us is divided in two parts. Uh, verse 1 to 2 fleshes out two key truths that we must remember in life. Two key truths that should guide how we live in life. That's what verse 1 to 2 does. And then verse 3 to verse 5 applies this, this truth, these two truths in the family home. So today we are focusing on verse 1 to 2. By the way, that's the structure of this psalm. It's a bit of a difficult psalm to get our head around. You probably have read it many times, but it's... It's quite difficult to, to, to see the harmony in it, but that's the harmony that I think is there. Um, the key truths that we need in, to guide us in life and the application particularly in the home setting. And what I want us to do today is just to focus on the first two verses, right, to learn those two key truths that should guide us in life. 
And then next week we're going to have, um, I hope, a very interesting message on, uh, on when we have children, right? Uh, as he applies those truths to verse 3 to 5. But don't say because I haven't got kids, I'm not going to come here next week. But do come uh, because God has got things to teach us uh, for us, even those uh, who may not feel it's particularly relevant. So that's the plan. Verse 1 to 2 today, and next week, verse 3 to 5. So the first thing, principle that Solomon wants us to learn to guide us in life in front of your outline, it is this. Principle number one, relying on yourself is fruitless. Relying on ourselves is pointless. It is fruitless. It doesn't lead anywhere. A couple of years ago, I read an article in the Huffington Post, that uh, guardian of liberal journalism. The article was entitled, was titled, Eight Reasons Why the Only Person You Can Truly Rely On Is You. That's the title. Eight Reasons Why the Only Person You Can Rely On Is You. And here are some of the reasons the author gives why the only person you can truly rely on is you. Reason number one, you have everything you need to be successful. You have everything you need to be successful. It says you have the drive, the desire, the passion, and the grit right now to leave your mark. Reason number two, why you, can, you are the only person you can rely on is this. People will only care about you up to a point. It says we are all busy people. So do not expect anyone to always be there for you, not even your family. It's a tough thing, isn't it, to, to read. Reason number three, they say the older you become, the less people check on you. I'm not sure about that. But they say people assume you can under yourself. And the article says, and you really can under yourself. You don't need anyone. And it goes on like that. And after reading it, uh, you, feel, you, be, you feel like you can fly. You really believe you can fly after reading those eight reasons. It is the stuff of lunacy, of course. But it is sadly a common illness of our society. Relying on ourselves is a virtue in our society. Now, there may be some truth to those reasons, but the truth of the matter is, taken together, you are not enough for yourself. But our culture believes the opposite, you see. In our society, it's a virtue to be self-reliant. Our culture loves the self-made stories of the Lord Sugars and the Sir Richard Bransons in the world. And by the way, can I just say, uh, as, a, as somebody who's, who's come from abroad and lived here for decades now, it's something that I had to get used to. I think this self-reliance is particularly very British. Um, you have to have lived abroad to realize that in most societies, relying on yourself is actually frowned upon. People expect you to get help. And so if somebody offers you help, right, in most cultures, it is rude to turn down that, that, that help. Where I come from particularly, it's very rude. The village is there to look after you. For you to say, I don't need your help, then that's just like, what's wrong with them? But of course, in our society, it's very different, isn't it? In our British setting, uh, self-reliance is a virtue. And I'll just say that it means that as we come to this topic of self-reliance, we have to realize that probably we have more problem than most in this area. Because our society, actually, just like British culture, has conditioned to be more self-reliant than perhaps even others. So if I'm preaching this in Zambia, they already know they need help. I just need to direct them to who they should get real help from. 
which is God. But in a British setting, <laughs> I need to convince you, or the Bible needs to convince you first, you need help. Right? Just help, any help. And then to convince you that you need to look to God for help. So these are just some of the things that we need to be aware of as we live in our culture, uh, as we live uh, as human beings, that you know, there may be specific cultural challenges we face. And of course, there's nothing wrong, in theory, in working hard and making the most of your talent. But the truth of the matter is that God doesn't want us to live dependent on ourselves. He wants us to live dependent on Him. And this is what Solomon is making clear in verse 1 to 2. Look at that, verse 1 to 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. Three times King Solomon there uses the word vain. Right? And the original word, not, did you notice that? It is in vain. Those who build it labor in vain. Verse 2. It is in vain that you rise up early. And in the middle of uh, uh, verse 1 there at the end, the watchman stays awake in vain. Three times he uses the word vain. And the original word means useless. Pointless, waste of time, fruitless. King Solomon is saying relying on ourselves is fruitless. And to drive home his point, he gives us three life situations from his life, from the ancient world, that illustrates or drives home this point. The first life situation he gives us is building your house in your own strength. Uh, in verse 1 there, King Solomon says it is completely useless Unless God is the one doing it. Look at that. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Building your own house um, at this time that Solomon is living is what everyone did. It's a bit like when I was growing up uh, in northern Zambia in the village. Everyone built their own house. That's it. So my dad started building and I, I've old, story, old photos of trying to build a house. It was great. And he eventually lived in it. It was like that in the ancient world. Building your house where everyone did. You, you got a piece of land and you built it. And you looked after yourself. It was basic. And many parts of the world, as I said, still do that. Now they did that because, you see, houses were foundational to a functioning life. Uh, it gave you shelter, security, and rest. So everyone had to learn how to build one, how to build a house. It is not like today, right? It's when we, build, when we live in something that has already been built, right? or we just rent it, or we get a mortgage or something. It's not like that. In Bible times, you build your house, but you are not just building your house. You are really building your life. You are building your future. You are building your safety and your security. You are building your worth in life. You are building a belonging in the community. And so when Solomon says here in verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain, what Solomon is really saying is that unless you are relying on God to build your life, unless God is at the center of your life, 
then your life is completely being wasted. Now, all of us need to hear this truth, right? But I think especially for our young people sat here today. You have so much of your life ahead of you. And you need to listen to the wisdom of Solomon here. He is saying, and parents need to hear this as well, it is not your talent, it's not your ability, it is not your relationships that count in the end. It is whether at the heart of what you're doing, you are relying on yourself or God. If you are relying on yourself, no matter how gifted you are, parents, listen to this. If, if you're leading your child to live in such a way that they're just self-reliant and God is not the center of their life, everything you're helping them build is completely useless. You get this wrong, everything is wrong. And it's good to hear that early in life, particularly for us when we are young. And so the question I want to ask you, particularly if you're young here, is this. Are you relying on God or are you relying on yourself? Rely on God. Because relying on yourself is fruitless. So the first life situation he gives us is building a house. The second life situation he gives us there concerns safety. Did you see that in verse 1? Unless, middle of verse 1, at the end of the second sentence, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. In Solomon's time, all cities had watchmen, right? People who looked out for enemies to attack. Uh, uh, in case they were attacking the city, they were lookouts. And these watchmen literally kept people safe because if they can spot an attack, people can be prepared, right? And so they were really the heart of the security for the nation, for the city. But Solomon is saying here, look, relying on yourself or other people to keep you safe is a waste of time unless God is at the heart of it. Do you notice? It's not that you don't need the watchman. It's not that you don't need other people to care for you and help you. It is that if you are doing all of that in your own strength, you are wasting your time. Now, I think this is a timely reminder for all of us here living in these times when we face the danger of COVID-19. When we feel particularly helpless against these dangers. Because this psalm is not saying that we should not take precautions for safety. Actually, on the contrary, it's quite humbling. It recognizes and it assumes that we are already taking care of our own safety to a degree. It assumes that we are taking precautions. But what it is saying is that as you keep yourself safe, do not rely on yourself or anybody else. It's a difficult balance, that's right, to take precautions but not rely on them. It says you must, your ultimate trust must be in God alone. If you start living as if you're relying on yourself or relying on the government to keep you safe, particularly during this pandemic, you are forfeiting God's protection. 
If you can take care of yourself, other people can take care of you, then you don't need God to take care of you. It's a serious thing. You're forfeiting God's protection. It is fruitless to rely on yourself. So we look to God to help us strike the balance on how we take precautions without relying on ourselves or on others. Because if we don't, it is fruitless. But in what way is it fruitless? Well, to answer that question, Solomon gives us a third life situation. This one comes from farming. In verse 2, look at verse 2. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. Now, the picture here is of a tireless farmer, right? He puts in a lot of hours. He gets up early, very early in the morning, and like Margaret Thatcher, he goes late to sleep. He's the Maggie of farming, right? Three hours, perhaps, only. Just like that. What is wrong with this man? Well, the Bible says he is eating the bread of anxious toil. He is eating food driven by never-ending anxious work. You see, the more he works, the more unhappy he gets. His life is not satisfying. The work is killing him slowly. It is self-defeating. It is fruitless work. I pause here because as I was writing, as I was thinking about this message, I I actually had a very short hour of sleep. I should just confess that last night. So these words hit me quite heavy. And my wife is like, you need to sleep more. I said, I know that already, right? Because that's what I'm preaching on tomorrow. It's quite a picture, isn't it? This self-reliant, fruitless work. Solomon here is saying the reason why we rely on ourselves, why, why relying on ourselves is fruitless, is simply what he's saying, is that if we belong to God, He will not let us enjoy the fruit of our work by relying on ourselves. It's so important we get that. Solomon here is not saying that God will stop us from whatever we are doing. Sometimes God does that. If you rely on yourself and you're a child of God, God will just say, stop it. Stop it now. And the whole thing stops. We see an example of this with King David in the, in the Bible, isn't it? When he took the census. Do you remember that? He decided to take the census. And God was like, just stop it now. And he severely corrected him, just like that. We see God's people when they went about with the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. They're building, 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 lying on themselves, trying to make a name for themselves. And God is like, stop it now. And the whole thing comes crumbling down. We see it with one of the tribes and judges when they're trying to lie on themselves. And, go, and they have to face, in chapter 1, the, the, the chariots of iron. And they're frustrated by God, just like that. The Bible is full of examples of people who have tried to build things for themselves. And God has just put a stop to it right away. We think of Balaam and his donkey, right? Being stopped in his track, literally. So God sometimes does that. But what Solomon has in mind here, what he has in mind, is something different. Solomon here is not saying that God will stop us in our tracks. Rather, what he's saying is that God will make our work fruitless 
even as we carry on. And the situation has in mind here is a bit like the, what is described in the book of Haggai. In Haggai chapter 1, verse 3 to verse 6, it's on page 791, if you want to look it up in your Bibles. Haggai chapter 1, verse 3 to verse 6. It's an important passage, I think, for us to remember because what we have here is, is the people of Israel returning from exile and they have stopped relying on God Right? They are focusing more on their own stuff. They are trying to do life on their own terms. And Haggai chapter 1, verse 3 to 6, says this. God sends this word through Haggai in verse 3 to 6. He says, Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? It's quite a question, isn't it? Is it okay for you to live a comfortable life but not caring about God's people? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of us. In this case, they never built the temple. They're supposed to be caring for the temple and rebuilding it, but the workers obviously got sidetracked. Verse 5 says, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of us. Consider your ways. You have so much, you've been hard at work, and harvested little. You eat, yes, you definitely eat, but you never have enough. You are not satisfied. You drink, but you never have your fill. You're always hungry. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And listen to this, and he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Literally, your pace is leaking all the time. And why Haggai, we go back to Psalm 127, why Haggai and Solomon are saying is this, anything we do in this life in our strength, if we are children of God, right, it would diminish our happiness in life. It won't satisfy us. Why won't it satisfy us? Well, reason enough, it's not that it can't necessarily in a human sense. The reason it won't satisfy us is that if we're truly... This is not someone, by the way. This is different wisdom here. It's not the someone wisdom, right? The, the, the logic here, the, the wisdom of Solomon here, is that if we're truly God's children, if we're truly his beloved, right? When we rely on ourselves, we are living contrary to our covenant relationship with God. And as the writer of Hebrews reminds us, no loving father would let his children just keep on relying on themselves. He will discipline them. And one way God disciplines us when we rely on on ourselves as his children is that he frustrates our self-made plans. You are relying on your job rather than God. What does God do? God makes you jobless. Literally. God can do that. You are putting your children ahead of God. We may find, beloved, and I don't say this lightly. I say this with great sadness. If we are put, putting our children ahead of God, we may find that we lose our children. We may lose them spiritually, completely. We may lose them physically. 
David lost his child, didn't he? Literally. Because he put himself first. We must be very careful not to rely on anything, to put anything ahead of God. Not because we're not believers, but because we are believers. This is what Solomon is warning us here. Relying on ourselves is fruitless because if we belong to God, He will not just let us continue like that. He will show us the futility of our actions until we come back to our Father. And if you say, oh, well, but sure, I'm just carrying on. And to be honest, if I look back in the last year, I've been depending on myself. Yeah, I can see a bit of the futility. But my life is going well at the moment. And if I look back the last couple of years, God really hasn't disciplined me. I've been quite self-reliant, actually. Life is looking great. Well, Solomon's answer to you, I think, is that your position is actually much worse. That's what the writer of Hebrews will say. Much worse than you realize. Because the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 12 that God disciplines those whom he loves. And if he does not discipline us, if you are relying on yourself and you're not seeing God frustrate you in some way, right, then you are an illegitimate child. You're not truly born again. It means for you, your entire life is fruitless. You are still dead in your sins and under the wrath and judgment of God. And what you need to do is to surrender to God through Jesus Christ, to be born again afresh. It is not a good thing to be rebellious and not be under any discipline from the Lord. We should want the Lord's discipline. So that's actually it's a worse-off situation. So the bottom line here is this. Whether we like it or not, whether we are experiencing it now or when we first got on Judgment Day, relying on ourselves is fruitless. This is the first truth that must guide how we live. This is the first part of having the right perspective on life. The first perspective we need to have is that relying on ourselves is fruitless. The second perspective is, is this. Relying on God, that's the other side of the coin, is fruitful. It is not just that relying on God helps us avoid wasting time, right? It is that relying on God gives us additional time. We are truly blessed by God. It's a positive thing rather than just avoiding the cost. Look at this too. Again. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. What Solomon is saying is this. In contrast, you see, to those who work tirelessly with little sleep, King Solomon says those who rely on God enjoy the care of God's sleep. But what does he mean by that? Well, the point is not that working without sleep is evil. Or that when we are relying on God, we never get tired or we never, our work never proves difficult. No, no, no. That's not what he's saying. We know that's not the case because many servants of God in the Bible sometimes even lost sleep as they worked tirelessly. So I was very comforted at this. First of all, I started panicking. Then the Lord came my spirit and said, Chola, okay, don't worry. <laughs> right? A bit of little sleep. Don't, don't think you've lost your work completely here. You've lost your work completely in some areas, but not just on this particular point. 
Because the Lord reminded me of 2 Corinthians 11, verse 27. Where the Apostle Paul, he says this in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 27. He says, I have labored and toiled. I'm quoting from the NIV now. I have labored and toiled, and I've often gone without sleep. And I was like, right? I have known hunger and thirst, and I've gone without food. I have been caught and naked. So, you see, it's, the issue isn't about having loads of sleep. No. The point Solomon is making here is not so much about the sleep itself, but the fact that it is a gift of blessing given by God to his beloved. He's focusing on this is how God blesses his people. What Solomon is saying is that those who rely on God to care for them are able to enjoy sleep as a gift of love from God who cares for them. In other words, relying on God does not, as I said, just avoid wasting our energy. We gain something. We gain blessings. We gain God looking after us. We get to enjoy His love and we get to be satisfied by Him. And we need to let this point just sink in a little bit this morning. Because you see, one of the reasons many followers of Jesus rely on themselves is that we feel like we feel like relying on God will mean missing out on something good. This is one of the reasons young people do not surrender to the Lord as they should. They may have made a profession of faith, but they are afraid to live as true believers. Because they look at their friends, friends are having what maybe looked as fine, and they feel they're missing out. They know God can meet their needs. God is there to provide for them. But they feel if they only depend on God, they will miss out on many other good things. And so as a result, they fall off in their walk with the Lord. And this is true for others. But Solomon is saying, look, relying on God is the only way for you to have a fruitful and satisfying life. Why is that? Why does relying on God satisfy his children? Well, the answer is in verse 1 and verse 2. First, fundamentally, because of who God is. God is the whole sovereign architect of all good things. Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor those, those who labor built in vain. One way to read that verse is this. is that any good thing that you have is because God has given it to you. Any good thing you have is because God has given it to you. So God is a powerful sovereign architect of all things. And God is a powerful creator who is able to protect his children. One way to read this, one again, is that when he says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman watches stay awake in vain. One way to read it is that if you are enjoying good security in your life, it is because God has given it to you. Because God is a sovereign protector of all things. And of course, Solomon is clear here that our all-powerful, all-sufficient provider. Well, our all-powerful God is our all-sufficient provider. If we are feeding ourselves, if we are putting bread on our table, it is only because God has enabled us to do that as his children. God is our loving creator who is already providing for us. 
And of course, as we look through the Bible, we know as children of God today that this all-powerful and all-sufficient God has given himself in Jesus to us to be our great shepherd of the sheep, to be our provider in everything we need. And he calls us in Jesus his beloved. Notice that. For he gives to his beloved sleep. You know, this was spoken of here, first of all, of Israel, isn't it? Israel was the beloved of God because God had committed himself to Israel. We read in Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. So God, we might, God loves us in, loved Israel, I say. And yet we know that God's love for Israel was only a shadow. Was only a shadow of the ultimate reality that we enjoy now in Jesus Christ. If you like, the, the God who, who loved Israel has now brought that love to us through the cross of Jesus. We enjoy in Jesus the full reality of God's love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 to 10 says this, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. John is saying, look, if we are in Christ... We have every reason to be confident because we are already living in Christ, in God. We have life in God. If we are in Christ, we have no reason to rely on ourselves. We have every reason to rely on God because He will look after us. Now do we know? Because He has already looked after us through the cross of Jesus. God in Jesus has done the most difficult thing possible. He has given himself for you to be the full penalty, to pay the full penalty for your sin and wiped all your sins away before him. But more than that, we share life with him now. We have eternal unbroken fellowship with our loving God. We might say that in Jesus we have the fruitful life now. Because we have come to rely on God for our salvation. So, in one sense, a true believer is already relying on God. But the encouragement of this psalm is that we must continue, therefore, as people have come to rely on God, to keep relying on Him so that we can grow in the fruitful life that He has already given us in Jesus Christ. And so we pause here, isn't it? And we take stock. What is the right perspective we should have in life? Well, those two principles. Perspective number one, relying on ourselves is fruitless. We need to remember that. Two, relying on God is fruitful. This is the right perspective. And in Jesus, we already are living the fruitful life. And therefore, the result of this perspective is that if we belong to him, we should continue growing every day and relying on God. Because as I've said, all who have been born again have already died to self. Jesus said in Mark 8, if anyone comes after him, he must deny himself, 
and take up the cross and follow me. The essence of being a Christian is that you have already denied yourself. And you are already now living for Jesus. If you like, you have already been delivered from self-reliance. You know, the Puritan, John Flavio, describes well, I think, how God, through Jesus, enables all who trust in him to live a fruitful life that continues to grow in depending on God. He says this, Man, by his apostasy into sin, has become a most disordered and rebellious creature. That is who we are by default as fallen human beings. And then John Flavio continues, in his self-reliance, that is fallen man, he opposes God as a sustainer. In his self-love, he opposes God as a chief good. In his self-will, man opposes God as the highest Lord. In his self-seeking, man opposes God as the highest end. But here's the bat, and it's the big bat. But by regeneration, by being born again, we might say, the disordered soul of man is set right, says John Flavio. Self-reliance is replaced by faith. Self-love is replaced by love to God. Self-will is replaced by subjection and obedience to the will of God. Self-seeking is replaced by self-denial. And then John Flavius says this, The darkened understanding is illuminated. The uncontrollable will of man is sweetly subdued in regeneration. The rebellious desires are gradually conquered in sanctification. The point John Flavius is making is that if you are truly converted, you have a new nature. Relying on Jesus is now your default. You are growing in depending on him. And you are growing in desiring to rely more and more on the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, you will sometimes rely on yourself. There will be those moments. But if you are truly born of God, your desire now is to grow in relying more and more on God. Because you know this is a fruitful life. And therefore now, Solomon is saying to us, as a child of God, let this truth become more and more drive you to rely on God. And I would say this morning, let this truth drive you to repentance towards God. Identify areas of your life where you are relying on yourselves and, and, and come before God and surrender those areas to Him. Let us this morning approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And that starts with identifying areas where we are currently relying on God and repenting of those areas. Now you may ask this morning, say, okay, Chola, I've got, I've got to know that. So you're just going to leave me with that. Well, how do I go about doing that? Well, I just want to say briefly this. In some situations, we know we are relying on ourselves rather than God. We do. Because our sin is self-reliant. So if you sin all the time, you're relying on God all the time. You're relying on yourself all the time. Sin is self-reliant. And so in areas where you know you're sinning, you already know you are relying on yourself. And what you need to do in those areas is just repent 
of that self-reliance. But in some areas, it's a bit more difficult to know when we are being self-reliant, isn't it? It's not obvious that God forbids what we are up to. So in such cases, what we need to do is to dig a bit deeper by asking ourselves a couple of questions. I just want to leave you with a couple of questions you can ask yourself, perhaps, in your, in your life as I come to, to an end. I think these are the questions you should be asking yourself. If you're up to anything, whatever decision you're making, whatever is going on in your life, whatever you're building, right, you need to ask yourself this question. First of all, question number one. Is what I'm doing reducing my capacity to function in my personal relationship with God? Is what I'm doing something that is making my personal relationship with God getting worse or getting better? In most cases, it leaves it neutral. But is it making it get worse? If it is making it, your relationship with God get worse, whatever it is, God is not building it. God is not building it. Question number two. Is what I'm, is what I'm doing reducing my capacity to function as a fully present member of the body of Christ? to meaningfully contribute to his local church, wherever God has placed me. God's number one priority in the world is his bride, the church. If we are building anything that is taking away from the trajectory of functioning and being fully present among his people in a meaningful way, God is not in it. Question number two, is what I'm doing actively damaging my capacity to care and witness to my human family? Is it damaging my capacity to obey God as, my, as a father, as, to live in the home as a father or a mother, to fulfill my responsibility as a mother or a father? Is it damaging my, 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 respons- my, my, my responsibilities as a son or as a daughter. God loves the human family. And the devil attacks that first and foremost. If you are doing anything that's damaging your capacity to function as a father or a husband or a son, I'm not leaving the ladies out. You can do the usual application for yourself then God is not in it, beloved. Even if it is working the church preaching from this puppet. Now, my dear wife is here, and I'm sure she will be using that sermon a number of times to just remind me, but she already does. And she's the one who helps me see this truth. Question number four. Is what I'm doing forcing me to cut big corners in the way I live? For example, do I find myself having to be untruthful towards others? To lie? Well, I should be honest. That's cutting corners. Well, if that's the case, God is not a promoter of sin in any way. If that's the case, what you're doing is building your own life. Relying on yourself. God is not in it. The other question we should ask ourselves, am I willing for God to stop what I'm doing if it is his will? I want this desperately, right? I want it, 
But would I be willing if God says, Chola, stop being a pastor today? Would, that, would, that, would I fight to remain a pastor? Is my heart so sold to the thing that I must, keep, I must have it no matter what? It may be marriage to someone. It may be buying something. Are you willing for God to say no to that? If you're not willing, then you're building in your own strength. The final question I think you should ask yourself is this. Am I willing to ask other believers who God has placed in my life for their honest and godly counsel or now I can ensure that I'm really obeying God in this situation? Beloved, the surest way we know we are relying on ourselves, the big sign is that once we make our minds up, we don't care for anyone else's opinion. We are not interested what a godly sister or brother might tell us about that. We make decisions on our own, and that's it. And if we're doing that, if we're not seeking the counsel of other believers, the reason is that we know already in our heart that we are rebuilding in our own strength rather than God. So you, you can ask yourself those questions, do your own evaluation, and apply them to those areas of Solomon talks about, in areas perhaps of security, in areas of building your life in general, uh, in the area of, of feeding for yourself, uh, relationships. Because it is important, you see, that we genuinely repent of these things. If there is any area of our lives where depending on ourselves, let us repent of those things. We need to pray that God gives us the strength to go beyond simply identifying where we are relying on God, to actually repent of them, where we are relying on ourselves. But don't repent of relying on God. Do more of that, right? We need to repent of where we are relying on ourselves, right? And pray that God increasingly makes you bend to his good and perfect will. This is something we have to keep coming back to all the time. We need to pray that God keeps bending us to his will. Keeps enabling us to repent. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to conquer any rebellious desires we have. And we must do this with our whole heart. But beloved, can I leave you with this? Like my third conclusion, right? If we ignore what we heard this morning, if we wear it and we willfully pursue life relying on ourselves, then we are not living as his beloved. And if that, is not our situ- if that is our situation, then we, have not truly, we are not perhaps truly converted. Because a child of God hears the word of God, and it delights his soul, and he turns in repentance. You see, when Nathan approached David, David heard, repented, and set his life right. When Paul rebuked Peter, Peter heard, turned his life right. And even wrote about it how much, how wonderful Paul was, and now you need to listen to him. If we hear this and we just plod on as we are, then, well, our life is not just fruitless today. It will prove fruitless in eternity. Let us prove ourselves as people who truly have been delivered from self-reliance on the cross and surrender afresh to Jesus. And let us seek God for help in this area. Amen.